Welcome to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano and Andy Mattioli. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Roma Press Podcast. We hope you are doing well, staying safe wherever you are in the world. Very quickly, before I get Andy on here, I wanted to touch upon a couple of subjects about the stadium and about Roma's financial situation, just because I know some stories have emerged over the past week during this international break in regards to the club's financial health, and there's a lot of speculation. So just a couple of things I wanted to touch upon, again, in regards to that. Very quickly, though, a big thank you to our newest patrons over at Patreon, Mads, who you can find on Twitter at WWFTD, and also Tim Koppel, who you can find on Twitter at the Coach K O. P.P. Thank you both for your support. It is greatly, greatly appreciated because without you guys, our endeavors here are impossible. So thank you so, so much for your support. And again, if you want to get early access to the podcast, extra episodes of the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash Roma Press. Okay, so this past week has been filled with a lot of speculation, innuendo in regards to Roma, the financial situation, what it means. Because we saw one of the bigger publications in regards to football and finance, they sort of highlighted Roma's financial losses from the 2019-2020 financial year. And there was a lot of speculation as to, did Freakin' expect this? What brought these huge financial losses? Why did these come about? So it's a very long-winded, complicated answer. It can be a bit boring. So I will try my best before I bring Andy on just to summarize it in the easiest way possible just because again it's a very complicated answer with a lot of variables but simply I've discussed it on here a number of times along with Andy that Roma their biggest problem at the moment is a revenues issue so yes the debt is obviously a problem however with Freakin's arrival there's no doubt that they have the financial capacity to carry the debt, pay off the debt. They have a lot of flexibility as to how they plan on moving forward. However, none of us know what they plan on doing with this because throughout the negotiations with Palotta, I tried my best. Now again, Friedkin, notoriously quiet when it comes to the media. I tried every possible source that I knew that is even remotely connected to the Freakins, just to get an idea as to what they planned on doing with this debt. Now, even during the negotiations with Palato, we know we knew that the 2019-2020 financial year was going to be difficult, not only because of COVID, but again, in Roma, they have a revenues issue. And this is something, if, if Dan Freakin was sitting across from me and recording this podcast alongside me, that would probably be the first question that I ask him is, Mr. Freakin, how do you improve the revenues of Roma? Because we've all seen the balance sheet. You can go to Roma's website. They publish all of this information. So you are more than happy to explore the the most latest financial statements, ones from previous years. And under Palata, they all have a very similar theme, and that is a revenues issue. Now, a lot of people like to just point to the stadium and say, okay, well, this is what freaking will be able to do. They'll be able to open a stadium, and it will fix Roma's revenue problem. To a certain extent, I, I guess we could say that's true, but Roma need to improve in a lot of areas. Obviously, their match day revenue is one of them. Sponsorship is another one of them. We obviously know the player trading issue, how large some of Roma's players are earning, especially ones who are essentially redundant and aren't 
playing in the team at the moment. Javier Pastore, Juan Jesus, Fazio. We could go on and on and on. We understand the story. So there are multiple levels as to what the issues are with Roma. So they're spending a lot and they're not making enough. So I don't know how Friedkin makes up this deficit. Now, someone did send me an email before we were recording this and they were asking if if Friedkin just decided today that he wanted to pay off all of Roma's debt, would UEFA allow that under their financial fair play regulations? And yes, they would. They would allow Roma to wipe out the debt and move forward in however they see fit. However, with financial fair play, the whole point of it is you are operating in accordance with your revenues and your losses. So essentially, the whole point of financial fair play is to ensure that clubs are not operating outside of their means. So even if Friedkin were to wipe out the debt in the next hour, Roma would still have this issue of the revenues. That is something they have to resolve. So the debt necessarily is not my biggest concern with Roma. I want to know how Friedkin plans on making Roma more money. And it's as simple as that. Because I don't think the answer is simply, oh, we build the stadium and that's it. There's there's just no way if you if you analyze the the balance sheet of Roma that you could come to that conclusion. It's, it's just not that straightforward. So again, I don't have that answer. I would love to hear Friedkin's feedback in regards to that because I don't know what the hidden revenue streams may be. Now, could it be improving areas in which Roma are suffering currently? Again, I'm sort of pointing to the wage bill. That's probably one of the easier ones to point out. Yes, they, they can absolutely try and lower their costs. But again, it all comes back to revenues. So I wish I had a clearer answer or a better answer, I should say. But only Friedkin can answer that. Only he can answer that. And then I guess the other sort of theme I saw throughout the last week was I saw some articles stating that Friedkin was surprised by the number of losses. They didn't expect it, which is obviously incorrect. Of course, Friedkin knew well before the purchase was official with Palalta that the club would be incurring very high level losses in this financial year again. That has to do with COVID. That has to do with Roma, again, lacking in revenue streams. So no, Friedkin was not taken by surprise when it was revealed last week that the club lost a record 204 million euros this past financial year. So so hopefully that clears at least some of the speculation that we've seen throughout the last week up. Friedkin is going to fix this. I have no doubts about that. They do have a plan in place. I don't think it's time for panic because before last year and even... Before the arrival of Monchi, Roma were slowly starting to work their way out of this debt situation that they currently find themselves in. But then the arrival of Monchi, you have the COVID crisis throughout the world, and all of that just sort of exacerbated the problem. And just when it looked like they were close to getting their head above water, they find themselves in the situation that they're in now. So again, I don't know how Friedkin plans on fixing this revenue problem. I'm curious to see what they have in store for the club, but I trust them. I, I, again, you do not make an acquisition of this level without having strong financial backing and a very sound plan in place to fix things. So we'll just have to wait and see. I know that's a terrible answer in the end, but they are so close to the vest and secretive in the way they operate that it's really difficult to gain any insight as to what they might have in store. So... Let me bring Andy on now. He and I discuss the recent eye-opening interview of Gianluca Petracchi, the former sporting director of Roma, 
if you want, you can go to the website, check it out. It was published on the 2nd of October. You'll find it there. So let me bring Andy on now. He and I discuss again the interview of Petraki as well as the sporting director situation and search at Roma. Okay, Andy, I have been so eager to discuss this because Gianluca Petraki, he gave a pretty extensive interview a couple of weeks ago. And in this interview, he pretty much unloaded on just about everybody involved with Roma following his sacking mm-hmm. uh, early yep. in the summer. It was June, I believe, when Roma officially sacked him. He went on Radio Radio, which is the perfect radio station for this sort of interview. <laughs> and perfect platform, the, yes. the perfect platform for this kind of interview. And again, he, he spared nobody. He went after players. He went after Palotta. He went after the club. Now, if you don't know what I'm referring to, this was enti- this was like a 20 to 30 minutes long interview, so I only translated a part of it, but it was published on the 2nd of October on the Roma Press. So you can find it there, and you'll know what we're referring to here. Andy, I think it highlights, or highlighted, because Palotta is now present, te- or I'm sorry, past tense, I think it highlighted a number of problems that I think even just your average supporter probably would have been able to point out to you. Yeah, yeah. This is you know, it, and it reads like a like a like yes, a like a yes. novel. Uh, it, it's you know, it has those sensationalist elements that again uh, work so well on a platform like radio, yes. radio, and um, it's you know, and and I, I read it now. Um, and there are things that make sense, and um, because listen, I was I was one of the few people to who also one of the first ones to say that I would be uh, disappointed uh, if Petraki decided to leave or you know was evidently then uh, sacked. Um, I was I was the, I w- I would be disappointed, and I was disappointed um, because I hate when you start something and. You barely get into it, and you you immediately quit. And obviously, this is you know as Petraki describes it, this is the result of two parties that could not find an agreement. Him being the victim, Roma, and more specifically Palotta, and somebody else being the perpetrator. So I understand that, and there are, there are things that make sense. There are you know he he addresses some of the dysfunction that we've been hearing about for. A number of years, um, he addresses, you know, the the people that like to talk. He addresses the friends of journalists, you know, the people that enjoy having a cup of coffee. <laughs> he loves that reference because he, I believe he said that in one of the press conferences. And our good friend, Filippo Biafora, had a go at him. He said something, right? remember, wasn't that the one where... Petraki named a bunch of websites and newspapers for publishing And then lines. had to apologize for mentioning example. <laughs> because Filippo rightly stood yes, up. Yes, rightly yeah. took exception. But in that press conference, uh, Petraki said, people like to have a go at me because I don't go to a cafe 
and have a cappuccino with them. So they write these yeah. things about me. Uh, come on, because man. I'm omertoso, <laughs> sono omertoso, <laughs> which is <laughs> obvious. <laughs> so yeah, I you know, and it it, it reads like that. It reads like uh, a guy who who's read uh, one too many Godfather novels. Yes, but it, it it's okay. It makes sense. You know, there is always bitterness. Um, I guess uh, someone like Monchi uh, decided to to keep quiet because I think he, you know, the conclusion is that he wasn't as much of a victim uh, of that system as uh, one of the many uh, reasons for that dysfunction. And um, and Petrak instead seems like a guy who wanted to be part of something important at Roma. This was his chance to sort of elevate himself from a club like Torino and and you know, go to a, a bigger stage, stay, you know, a club that plays uh, in Europe uh, on the European stage, and a club that deals with, you know, uh, ex- more expensive players. A club that wanted to start over after that negative experience with Monchi Di Francesco and that that bitter conclusion to that affair. Um, well, then you fast forward now, and it's uh, it puts things into perspective. So, makes sense. There are there are some interesting things. I, f- I found that um, you know how open uh, he was extremely open about that part uh, about people talking to journalists, yes. and you know it, I, I I am reminded of when when uh, Conte and Spalletti uh, in uh, at the Inter for example they talk they recently and for a number of years now because since Spalletti was there so what two three four years even almost um uh it was about they talked about a possible um you know, a possible snitch. Yes. <laughs> Without they were they were talking about somebody talking, but from the locker room, they were talking about a player, somebody in the locker room talking to journalists and and talking about uh, some uh, the unease in the locker room, the <laughs> unease in the club. But here, Petraki evidently says the players were okay. You know, sometimes I I would get rough with some of them. He talked about, you know, about setting the record straight with Zaniolo, setting setting the record straight with Ibanez. One of his latest deals uh, or one of his last deals that that made sense and I think is working out great. Um, But overall, his his argument is the, the players were great. We had a bond. We believed in each other. We believed in what we were doing. Um, I don't think he had issues with Fonseca to the extent that everybody made it out to sound like. Um, he clearly points fingers at big the the, the top dogs, yes. the big dogs in the in the management, the people. You know, I'm you know, it's pretty evident that you you have the names, you have Baldissoni, Fienga, you have Zubiria, you have so many other people that we even don't know really what their role is, but they talk. And it's it's pretty clear because time after time, we get these details about the transfer market. We get these details about, you know, Fonseca being being uh, uh, on the chopping block and, 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 and Allegri being considered, you know, as an option and so on and so on. Those things don't come out, you know, just like that. There has to be someone talking. And and I thought that Petraki did pretty well to address that uh, aspect. Another thing that I found probably most interesting was when he talked about January, 
So he was talking about how we brought some names in. We tried to revitalize the team in January. He's, of course, talking about Ibanez, Perez, and VR. The, the part that I found most interesting is he talks about two or three names, and he doesn't name the players by name. He references he had two or three deals in place to sell players in January. However, they ultimately turned down that the moves away from the club. And right. this is where the speculation really ramped up after this interview came out. So the two or three names that he was referencing. Juan Jesus. Juan Perotti. Jesus. Diego Perotti. And it has to be Pastore, right? The last one? Yeah. It has to be. Still, I, th- I think it ha- it's a toss-up between Pastore and Fatsu, but I'm more leaning to Pastore. He was still okay at that point in the season. It didn't look like he was going to become, uh, you know, the the not-so-resurrected uh, <laughs> victim of, of injuries. He basically said that these two to three failed transfers affected greatly what he was able to do in January. So I don't know what the thinking was with Palotta in this. Now, if it is true that on Christmas that Petraki sends Palotta a message and Palotta ghosts him, essentially. But in Italian, even adri- it says that he sent him a gift. A gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I, and I would love, uh, he, he says he doesn't speak he doesn't speak English well. And for those of you who don't know, Petraki is from Lecce. Uh, they don't oh, even... Andy, for people who haven't been to Lecce, I don't even consider that Italian that they're speaking. It's more of a... um, It's a sound. It's It's a sound. sound. (laughs) It's not even words. Lecce has to be the only place where I cannot understand anything (laughs) coming from the mouth of just about anybody who resides there. So and that's probably what Palotta said to himself <laughs> yeah, well, as he opened that, the that, gift card. That's so, that sort of goes to my point. That goes to my point. So Palotta's probably sitting there like, what, what, what's he saying to me now? Is this a time bomb? <laughs> he probably thought he was getting one of those spam emails from somebody. <laughs> you know, I, you, I have a million dollars here. I just need you to wire me some money. It is interesting, though, that... If that was the approach Palotta took, it is interesting, and I only say that for, for a couple of reasons. Do we remember what happened for Petraki to even arrive at Roma? This is a right. guy who Roma essentially had to give compensation to Torino because Petraki was, even though he denied it, we have him on camera at, at Fiumicino arriving in May of 2019, which is a month before his contract. After talking with with Fonseca. Fonseca. Exactly, exactly. Let's not forget, Eddie, Roma had to pay money, and they gave Torino two Primavera players. And Torino don't want anything to do with Roma. Exactly, exactly. The doors are closed for any kind of transfer. Yes, exactly. And Roma essentially compromised any future transfer operations with Torino in order to bring... Petraki to the club. So I find it difficult to believe. Now, again, we're only getting one side of the story. Palata, again, Jim, open invitation. Come on. You, whatever you want to say to respond yes. to Petraki, you are more than welcome on here. So we are only getting one side of the story, Andy. But I do find it difficult to believe that given the price Roma had to pay to bring Petraki to the club, I find it difficult to believe that they would go to this level to essentially sabotage their sporting director that they paid a heavy price to bring. Yes, but at the same time, you you know, you look at the timeline of events and what he says, there must be some truth because he addresses that winter, 
the start, you know, the the winter season, which the, is when things start heating up with freaking too. By the way, that's where the Roma that we saw uh, right before Christmas against Fiorentina, that Roma is gone. We for after that, we don't see that Roma anymore. We see uh, not even a semblance of a team. We see a Roma that is fragmented, a Roma that is mentally vulnerable. Um, there is no no way that Fonseca can change things around. He starts to make really uh, important mistakes. He starts to um, lose the locker room, it seems. And um, and then th- you know those reports of of of, uh, of Petraki getting into it after the Sassuolo game, or uh, you know all all of that starts to surface, and um, and that's where things you know get get lost along the way and um and it, it it seemed like it was a point of no return we get a confirmation here that you know uh petraki i don't you know it's easy to again as you said you have one party speaking in in, in this case and um i think that uh, sometimes it cl- clearly he exaggerates but i can understand that he was one of the numerous vic- victims of of these circumstances and i guess that's what you get for trying to start over without changing the the backbone if you have the same people up there if you have the same people running the show then how do you expect to you know you you just can't expect everyone everybody to be the same puppet you know, you can't expect everybody to come in and and stick to those same rules that clearly did not work before that person came over. I thought when we sat here and we talked about Petrarca's arrival and Fonseca and every, we had the impression that this was, you know, the the ship was sailing into another direction um, after the, the the misfire of of of, of Monchi and, and Di Francesco and and then you know having Ranieri come over and sort of save the season but not really because he didn't get Champions League that 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 was just an impression because again it turns out people talking people maneuvering behind somebody's back were still there and um, and I guess that's not fair, and that that is impossible for anybody to really settle in and and do a proper job. And I think that you know, as much as he likes to talk about professionalism, Petraki, yes, he was certainly somebody who was all business. You know, who came here with a clear plan, with with a, with a clear personal agenda to to improve his own work, but also help. You know, a struggling club, but in a, in a difficult moment to sort of regain momentum and 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 sort of get back to where it, it used to be three to four years ago. Andy, I have to say though, one of the things about the interview that I didn't like was he was really trying to paint himself as this martyr who was victimized by the ambiente that we discuss so often of Rome. He says, there's quite a sick system in place in Rome where everybody thinks they have news. And this is where he starts referring to the journalist. He said, so I had to put a stop to this hemorrhaging. Everywhere I worked, I've never spoken to journalists off the record or met with them for a cup of coffee. I've always been quiet and calm in press conferences. Perhaps I said a few bad words at times, but it was easier to bring me down because the entire system wanted Petraki gone. Uh, come on no right. no it, it no, sounds like on. it sounds like come a like nobody a conspiracy thriller yeah, yeah. yeah but, but come on i mean yes okay are journalists going to get annoyed with you if 
you don't leak them information. Of course they're going to get annoyed. But come on, yeah, he, he makes it seem like, and I hate this too because Capello does this all the time. He, he never misses an opportunity. He makes it seem like in Rome that this is the only place where this happens. That it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. That this is only, only something that happens in Rome. If you're with one of the websites, the newspapers, if you don't give them information, they're just going to try and bring you down. Give me a break. That, that's not what happened, okay? Yes, people got mad that right. and annoyed that you wouldn't leak them stuff, particularly... When you came in for a guy like Monchi, who would leak to anybody. Uh, come on, nobody was out to get him. I, I, I just don't like the conspiracy theory stuff. No, no, I agree. I, I agree. I was just saying that he, you know, he probably, he probably didn't expect it to happen just because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have, it doesn't happen with that sort of magnitude in a place like Torino. If you, if you are a sporting director for Torino, I mean, not many po people follow uh Torino on a national level there is there there are different circumstances you know and um it's a different thing here Petraki I'm not arguing that he because he doesn't he doesn't get burned because of journalists he gets burned because of management yes. you know that's he makes it seem to be like he was the victim of two factions hard at work to undermine his work and in fact what he's really getting at I believe is people from the top um, sort of betraying him because it's not, you know, it, it's not as much the journalists who write it is the people that talk to those journalists. And, um, and that's, that's about it. It's, it's really, this was, you know, it's a fascinating interview because it sort of give you, gives you an insight into uh, what we could have imagined happened in that period of time where really Roma went from getting what 35 points and looking like you know they could contend with the likes of 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 of, of uh, Atalanta uh, to a team that was getting blasted by by bottom table teams and um and it just didn't make sense. Now we know that there were deals in place didn't get done. Uh, I guess that creates also locker room dysfunction. I mean, you have guys well liked guys like Perotti or Juan Jesus who suddenly realize that they're not important anymore that this is for real that you know they 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 Fonseca is not going to play them Fonseca is going to uh, any chance he gets he he's going to tell Juan Jesus to, to 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 go screw himself um and that's about it but i guess that that has you know repercussions um and within this team you know we've seen anything i mean this team is so mentally fragile there is it's so easily uh you know uh, unsettled uh, that it, it, it was it was bound to happen um and with a guy like Petraki who you know just from the press conferences you had the impression of him being a, a pit bull i mean a guy who you know would would come home and and bite into a, a piece of wood instead of a, 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 some pasta uh, it, it was it was inevitable i mean this was you know this guy is is it's unstoppable. I, I, I really, I'm now. I'm curious to see because in the interview he said, "Oh, would I return to Roma? Of course, yeah, yeah of right, course, I right, would consider right. it." But I also have some offers on the table. There is a, an offer on the table right now, which I'm considering. I'm really curious where he goes now because, as much as I liked some of the things he did, I have a hard time imagining him going to a place like Roma to a team 
of Roma's, you know, stature, if you can call it stature, um, I guess pedigree, whatever. I'm not talking about winning mentality, but I'm talking to a team that, you know, is considerably uh, higher in in the table or in the standings and, and in the financial aspects than a team like Torino or a team like Parma. That's because this guy is clearly not an easy guy to go get along with. He has a vision, he has the work ethic, but if you don't have the the attitude to sort of persist and um, and get along, then it, it's it always gonna it's always gonna come back to bite you. Well, if we really wanted to get deep into the who was leaking stuff and who was I guess sabotaging Petraki from the management side. That guy left a couple of weeks ago. I'm referring to Baldissoni, but I'm in a good mood, so I don't want to get too deep into that just because he doesn't like me. I don't like him. But again, I'm in a good mood, so we won't go there. We just won't touch upon that subject. But real quickly, before we leave, the sporting director. Do you have a preference as to who the new sporting director would be? And I'm only bringing this up because I've had two separate agents tell me that Michael Eminalo, the former Monaco and Chelsea director is emerging as among the favorites to be the next sporting director of Roma. Now, I did speak with one of Friedkin's lawyers last month in regards to the sporting director position, and he informed me that Eminalo is not among the favorites to take over the role that was left vacant by Petraki. Now, we continue to hear the usual suspects, right, Andy? Ragnick, Luis Campos... Juves Paratici. For me, I think it's going to be a name that hasn't really emerged yet. I think it's going to be more of a surprise. I think it's going to be someone who is under the radar. I don't think that it is going to be Eminalo, Paratici, or even Ragnick, who I think unfairly, Andy, is being sort of labeled as this next Monchi 2.0. Now, again, I don't think it is going to be him who ultimately lands the role. But as far as Ragnick goes, how do you feel about him being labeled as this sort of German Monchi? Oh, come on. Listen, listen. To me, to me, that is, you know, it's it's I can understand there is some frustration. There is some worrying of, you know, of 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 giving the keys to the whole shebang to somebody that comes from the outside has a big reputation, you know, for building a system, for handling everything, for overseeing everything. Yes, when Monchi came here, Palotta gave him the keys and and uh, Monchi disappointed. But it, it it doesn't mean that <laughs> now after Monchi you cannot bet on 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 on, on little known players on on players from minor leagues on, you know, uh, there is a whole there is a whole breed of players that will still be coming to Roma. It's not like from day to day we're just going to ignore a whole portion of of players from the world of football right. just because Monchi right. was here and um and that's that's about it. No. Um and I understand you're afraid to to sort of give the whole responsibility to one guy. Um at the same time, you know, I, I I think it would it could work something like Ragnik. Um, definitely, listen. If I have to choose, I definitely would prefer somebody like Ragnik than somebody like Paratici because Paratici is being linked because because of him knowing Allegri and um, and Allegri being close with him and and all that. But 
my hopes for getting Allegri are very slim. I I don't believe in it. Um, doesn't matter. I who says what. I it's just a personal thing. I I don't fall for it right now. And without Allegri, I don't see in Paratici the guy you need. And at the same time, you saw what. Petraki did. I thought that you know all consider all things considered for a small time sporting director for somebody who managed Torino, that was a pretty good year, and um, and that makes you think you know whether you really need a big time uh, sporting director with the pedigree of you know of, of winning trophies of of building a winning team of utilizing you know uh, youth players that then go on to become star players um i that's i i would love to see a roma that relies on young players that relies on people who cost very little who then have tremendous upside who have incredible untapped potential um that's fantastic and i would love to see that at the same time somebody like petraki gives me a hint that you never know. If if a, if a random name comes up, if somebody come a name from a minor team, I don't know whether it is from Serie A or or, or Germany or France. It doesn't really say much right now. We have we, everything is mixed because we went from having the supposedly greatest sporting director in the world uh, failing miserably to. Gianluca Petracchi, who managed Torino, that it was a team, you know, that wandered and, and meandered around the 10th place, right, 14th, right. 13th, whatever, that 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 sort of uh, place in the standings, um, to having, you know, reaching good results. I mean, building a team that providing us with, with interesting talents, with players that were, uh, you know, Cost little, relatively little compared to what we paid before that. Um, so that you know, it's. I think this now it's become more complicated to make these sort of judge, judgments. I can understand there are worries. I can understand there are extremely high hopes, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's a if it's a, a relatively unknown name. Oh, I completely agree with you, Andy. I, I don't think that. It is going to be the usual names that we have been hearing throughout the past two months. I, I really don't. Now, there was something with Paratici. Obviously, that has been the name that has been out there beyond the two months, only because, as you alluded to, yes, he has a relationship with Allegri, also very close with Roma CEO Guido Fienga. So I do think he is certainly under consideration, but I, I don't think he's going to leave Juve. I really, really don't. So I think this is going to be someone who we didn't expect. I think it's going to be more of a uh, not, not so much a flashy name, I guess we could say. I think this is going to be someone more under the radar that hasn't emerged yet. So that is my guess. I still believe that a new sporting director will arrive within the month of October, but we will see. They certainly have to get this done before the winter market opens. So I can't imagine that they delay this much further. So that is where we are going to leave it, everybody. Let us know who you would prefer the new sporting director of Roma to be. Very curious to hear your feedback in regards to that. So we will be back in a couple of days here ahead of the match against Benevento. 
as this is the point where Roma's schedule really starts to pick up. Obviously, we have the commencement of the Europa League as well. So a lot more football. We will be there every step along the way with you. So again, thank you for joining us. If you could, please leave us a review. That also helps us immensely. So thank you again for listening. Thank you for your support. We will talk to you in a couple of days. So until then, ciao. Ciao.